Welcome back to another episode of the Aquademia podcast. I'm your host, Justin Grant. And I'm Maddie Cassidy. And today we will be discussing the species Barramundi. We'll be sitting down with Matthew Mangan to discuss all of the ins and outs of the species, the marketplace, uh, the regions where it's popular. It was a great conversation, and I think you're going to enjoy it. But before we jump into that conversation, we want you to know that we are on social media. We are on Twitter. Go ahead and find us and follow us. Handle is at AquademiaPod. If you want to contact the podcast for any reason, you can fill out our online form, which is located at globalseafood.org slash podcast. And if you like this episode, if you like what we're doing, then you should definitely subscribe to the podcast on whichever podcast platform you're listening to us on so that you can get every episode downloaded directly to your device as soon as it comes out. You can also leave us a rating and review on whichever podcast platform is your choice. We really appreciate it. It helps us get out there to new people that might not have heard about us before. And with that, enjoy this episode with Matthew Mangan, the co-founder of Mainstream Aquaculture and the current president of Mainstream USA. Welcome to the Aquademia podcast. Our diet is hurting the environment in myriad ways. I mean, we desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and are unafraid. Aquademia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. All right. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Aquademia podcast. We are sitting down today with Matthew Mangan, who is the co-founder of Mainstream Aquaculture and the current president of Mainstream USA. Uh, Matt, thanks for joining us today. No problem. Pleased to be here. So we are going to be going through a bunch of different topics during this episode. We want to spend the majority of the episode learning about barramundi that fish species, kind of dissecting the ins and outs of everything that goes around um, what that species is, the marketplace surrounding it, and all of its wonderful features. And then we want to talk about mainstream aquaculture and its brand, its farms, specifically the one that's in Arizona, the Desert Springs Mundi Farm. But before we get into any of that, we want to learn about you. So reflecting on your journey, could you provide our listeners with some highlights on the path that led you to your current position with mainstream aquaculture? Yeah, sure. So hi, everyone. My name's Matthew Mangan. I've been involved with mainstream aquaculture for some 23 years now and uh, currently hold the position of uh, head of business here in the US. My journey at mainstream began back in 2001. Uh, where along with three other colleagues, we went about starting a recirculating aquaculture facility in Melbourne, Australia. That group consisted of uh, two highly respected scientists, a finance professional and myself who brought the mechanical and construction skills to the table. I guess uh, my initial role was the construction of our first RAS facility, uh, and following that, we spent a, a few years fine-tuning those operations uh, before continuing the expansion of, of the Melbourne operations. Uh, it was during that time that I held the position of uh, head of operations and along with that managed the, the sales side of the business. 
this this was really helpful for me, I guess, in, in that uh, it really allowed me the opportunity to uh, understand the obstacles uh, and opportunities that mainstream uh, would face as we focused on uh, growth. Uh, as a business continued to mature, uh, we were able to um, bring on board some really high-level individuals. And um, in 2014, uh, we went on a path of industrialisation that saw us uh, complete the largest indoor recirculating facility in the Southern Hemisphere in, um, in 2017. While we felt that was uh, a really significant move for the business and it was a really exciting time for us, uh, we also took the view that it was important to uh, looking at, look at uh, diversifying our operations and uh, at, t- at that time we were uh, looking at making steps towards uh, some pond-based uh, aquaculture production systems. And so I guess for me over the, the, the following three to four years uh, around that time, I was, I was really, really fortunate um, to be intimately involved in the development of those assets uh, and worked with some of Australia's best farming operations within the Barramundi industry. So that really allowed me to to do a deep dive on uh, a lot of the benefits and a lot of the challenges that come with a different type of aquaculture production to what I'd been used to. I'd uh, typically uh, been heavily focused, obviously, on the RAS, and uh, so, so now I was learning a lot about um, uh, the, the, the pond farming industry and um, really good time for me. I guess uh, in parallel to that, um, we'd also been investigating uh, the opportunity for barramundi farming within the United States. And um, around a similar time, we'd, uh, we'd identified a few sites of interest. And, you know, COVID, uh, COVID uh, slowed that process down for us somewhat, but um, ultimately in uh, July, ultimately in July of uh, 2022, we uh, we made our first uh, acquisition of a site in um, in the US um, in the form of a, a, a 1,100 acre property here in Arizona, where we're now currently farming barramundi and supplying uh, locally and into the broader West Coast markets. So I guess for me, while the journey has has been a long one, we've really achieved uh, a lot in that time. And I feel we now have the, the best people and the, and the greatest assets in the industry, which, which makes for an exciting future. Um, and uh, I'm very pleased to be able to contribute to the team as we grow our barramundi locally here in Arizona. Yeah, I am I'm already so excited just hearing that little blip of your background, Matthew. So as we've hinted at, today our main focus is on the species of barramundi, which is a species that most of our listeners has have probably heard of at some point, but there's just so much to the species that there's a lot to explore. So we thought it would be great to do an entire episode all about this species. So Matthew, since you've had a ton of experience in the realm of Barramundi, can you just share 
a preliminary overview of some facts about Barramundi, maybe why you and your business partners selected that to be your species? Like what makes Barramundi stand out among other species? Yeah, so Barramundi, a little bit of a brief uh, background on Barramundi, I guess. Um, it's Australia's number one native species um, uh, in the wild. They typically spawn at the mouth of rivers in salt water. Barramundi are, are highly targeted by recreational fishers. They're really famous for their uh, great tenacity uh, and, and when hooked are a great game and sports fish. Barramundi are in the sea bass family and, and they're silver in colour with uh, with really large scales. The word barramundi is an Aboriginal word for uh, large-scaled river fish. And uh, they're really very, very unique animals. Some interesting facts about barramundi, I guess, is all barramundi are born males and they convert to females at around about five or six kilos in size or around about 11 pounds uh, they'll they'll convert over to females wow i had no idea yeah it's pretty cool they can also live in either salt water or fresh water depending on their environment um which is uh which is pretty interesting um in the in a wild typical barramundi would grow to you know sort of around four feet long uh, but have been found as big as uh, as six feet long, and uh, in some cases, you know, been found at around a hundred pounds in weight. So they can, they do have an, the ability to grow quite big. But uh, typically, in production, we uh, we're harvesting and, and selling those barramundi at um, around about sort of the eight pound mark. They're a very robust fish. Uh, they're, they're very good for farming in that um, they do well in, in, in a lot of environments. Um, so we, we identified early on that the robustness of the fish along with the quality, taste and texture of the fish um, it really was appropriate for us to push forward and, and we now believe that, you know, the, the barramundi can be dominant white flesh finfish served up globally. So um, it really is an interesting fish. So thinking of production methods, and you already discussed this, but is, is there, they can be wild caught people who rec- recreationally fish for them. And I honestly, that sounds actually really exciting to be reeling in a four foot fish <laughs> that weighs that much. And if it's in that sea bass family, that must put up quite the fight. That must be really fun to do. But uh, so it's wild caught. It's obviously farm raised. That's what you're working on. Where I'd like to go, kind of go next is, is the marketplace, right? It's very popular in Australia, but you have farms not only there, but in the United States. What sort of techniques marketing techniques have you used to try to boast this species in regions where it might not be as popular? Yeah, so I guess um, obviously back home in Australia, barramundi is universally known uh, and widely widely accepted as a high quality eating fish. It's represented on 
most restaurant menus throughout the country and is a standard item on the shopping list for cooking at home. Uh, so back home in Australia, we have a, a really high-quality brand. Barramundi is uh, incredibly uh, well-respected and, and well-known. I guess here in, a, in the US, it, it's, it's not as well-known and we've got a job to do to develop our brand and and uh, and work on that marketing piece of the business to really introduce it to the US. I guess back home we have a an environment where product is exceptionally well known, but uh, the the market bandwidth is, in comparison to the US, for example. Uh, relatively limited. So there's a reason why we're here in Arizona uh, right now. And one of those reasons is proximity to market. So to give you a little example there, back home in Australia, we have a population of 27 million people uh, in in the entire country. Um, We've located ourselves here in Arizona, um, which is approximately about a six-hour drive into a place called California that uh, currently has close to 37 million people sitting in in that state alone. Um, so it's quite incredible. And for us, that's the challenge. We have a population base here in the US that far outweighs uh, anything we see back at home, but we need to educate that population. So that's a that's a big uh big part of the role, um, a big part of our job uh, over the, the coming uh, few years. And we're, we're working on that now and we're, we're getting some really good traction. Uh, people are really accepting of uh, our product uh, so far. Some are a little shocked to hear that you can grow barramundi out in the middle of the desert, but uh, you certainly can. So, yeah, we've got a, we've got a, a big job, uh, um, but uh, one that I think we'll be quite successful at. Well, we are going to help you a little bit with that journey. And we have a lot of listeners all around the world, specifically in the United States. And I think one of the questions that some of our listeners, some of our consumers here that are out shopping and they see Barramundi in the the supermarket, right? So my next question that might help lean some consumers into purchasing some Barramundi would be, tell me a little bit about how do you prepare barramundi for cooking? What is the flavor profile of barramundi? Kind of go into some detail and what a consumer can expect if they purchase barramundi at the supermarket. Yeah, so barramundi can be prepared in a a number of ways, um, making it a a really versatile fish. It can be cooked whole, filleted, portioned, skin on, skin off. It can be baked or pan-fried. Uh, placed on the grill in most ways that you can think of. So it's it's incredibly uh, versatile in that sense. Personally, myself, I, I, I enjoy it simply fried in the pan with the skin on. It uh, creates a really crispy texture, uh, followed by a, a really smooth, buttery flesh. Uh, so the, the, pro, the, the flavor profiles, it's a relatively mild fish. So it's not a really fishy type fish. It's it's quite quite mild, uh, mellow with a, a smooth, buttery and subtle sweet flavour, which means it sort of it pairs really well with um, different sauces and won't compete with other prominent flavours in a recipe. So, it, you know, the nutritional value that comes along with it is is also really good. It's um 
It's a really lean protein. It's uh, low in calories and it's it's about half the calories of uh, of, of salmon, which is which is pretty good and um, and you know really sort of low in total fats. It's got about six to eight hundred milligrams of omega threes in a sort of typical uh, serving, and um, those omega threes play a vital role in both brain and. Uh, heart health. So the nutritional values of barramundi are, are, are really exceptional, along with most fish that you'll eat, a, a lot of the fish out there. I mean, I think um, as a society, I think people are starting to realise um, the value of eating uh, fish and, and seafood. And, uh, you know, that's that's part of the, the campaign, I guess, is around building the brand. It's also around educating people here in the US that, hey, you know, you've got um, a, a, a really healthy flavoursome fish product that that is locally grown and uh, we're bringing it to you as as uh, as fresh as you can get it um, so uh, really exciting I think yeah I think just to reiterate kind of what you were talking about is there is a movement and I do think seafood consumption in in regions where it typically isn't as high as other regions specifically the United States there the education piece there's a lot of players in that space that are really trying to I'm using air quotes no one can see it move that needle of having more and more Americans eating their required weekly servings of seafood and I think it is a challenge because it's not as simple as pork chicken beef which is one species seafood is very very vast there's shellfish there's fish there's so many different things to consider where some consumers might just get overwhelmed and go to their safety net, pun intended. But I do think the way that you talked about the flavor profile, I think a lot of people could compare that barramundi to other white fish that they've tried in the past. And, and we just need to get more people comfortable bringing it home and trying new recipes, throw it on the grill, like you said, fry it in a pan, uh, broil it, whatever. And that's part of the mission that we're doing here at GSA is just making people comfortable with different types of recipes and ways to prepare seafood. Uh, it doesn't have to be overly complicated and there's a lot of options out there. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that um, another important factor is consistency of supply. I think that yes. um, certainly certainly back home in Australia, and I expect that it's, it's uh, similar, similar issues here in the US, products Products come and go at different times. There's, I think, you know, salmon's a good example of uh, of a finfish that has been domesticated and and is available year round and and is incredibly well known mm-hmm. uh, globally and accepted. I think that you know we have an opportunity here with white flesh fish and and we as a company genuinely believe that um, barramundi is the species that can step up and uh, and become that year-round domesticated well-known and respected fish protein uh, that's available consistently and I think that's a real uh, important component is making sure that not only you're supplying a a really high quality product but you can do it at scale year-round. That's amazing and I feel like that's a really important differentiation point that consistency of it. So Kind of going off of that, where do you see most of the demand for barramundi? And I'm sure that this differs a lot between Australia and the U.S. and anywhere else in the world. 
but primarily do you see the demand for barramundi in retail or food service? I think both. <laughs> without um, without trying to generalize, I, I, I think I think it's um, uh, both. I think when we look at food service, I think that there is an opportunity to again supply this 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 fan. Fantastic product at value and getting it into national retailers, uh, getting it into white table cloth uh, restaurants is something that I think is very achievable once we, again, provide the industry with confidence that not only is this a really high quality product, but it's produced right here in the United States it's, um, and, and it can be delivered consistently and freshly. You don't have to live at a coastal town to get fresh seafood, right? Technology, advancements in facility types that are producing these species. You have a barramundi farm in Arizona, the desert. People are like, that's crazy. That's crazy. But you know what? It works and it allows you to reach a wider reach of consumers that want fresh, tasty seafood and you can accomplish that. But I want to talk about Arizona. Tell us a little bit about Desert Springs, barramundi in Arizona. What are the benefits of running barramundi farm? in the desert yeah um <laughs> so we we see the united states as the next logical step in growth for mainstream and importantly believe it's a, a great opportunity to continue to drive that position that i spoke about earlier as the dominant white flesh fin fish globally we believe it's a it, it's strong farming attributes it's cooking versatility along with the health benefits. It provides it, it provides with the high omega-3s. Barramundi can be equally accepted here in the United States as back home in Australia. Um, so when we began our investigations into the US opportunity, we knew the environmental conditions would play a critical part to our success. Yeah. Um, but Barramundi... Being a warm water species, we need to ensure the conditions would be suitable. Uh, and the southwest region of Arizona was identified as a strong geographic location and based on a few key factors. So why do we why why do we farm out in, in the desert? Uh, the first one is obviously the climate. So it's something certainly Myself and my family have had to adjust to, um, yeah. uh, but the, the the summers I can say with a confidence are really hot. Um, they're really hot <laughs> out here, so uh, we have extended periods on site. <laughs> my wife says it's like living inside a hairdryer. <laughs> so, but um, we we uh, we've adjusted to it now, so it's it's fine. But uh, we see extended periods uh, on site of around 120 Fahrenheit uh, during the day and, and, and that drops down to about 90 to 95 Fahrenheit at night. So, you know, that's that's sort of through your peak summer period. But, um, but, but generally you've got nine to ten months of the year um, where you've got optimal growing conditions for barramundi. So really warm water, warm environment, really good uh, growing conditions. But during the winter period, we do see significant drops in both the nightly and daytime temps, um, which, you know, our barramundi are most vulnerable during that time. So we need to be very conscious of that and 
Um, so what we've been doing uh, certainly over the last the recent winter, which we're we're just coming out of now. We've been running a few R&D trials around, you know, how can we manage that, I guess, heat loss in the ponds through the, the sort of the winter conditions. Sometimes, you know, during during winter, we get down, the ambient temperatures getting down to, to near freezing points. So you're losing, you're losing heat out of the ponds uh, uh, through the nighttime periods, and and so we we need to be conscious of that, and 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 make sure that we certainly as we scale up that we we can find solutions to you know that that uh, drop in in temperature through the winter period. So we've we've got some really uh, interesting sort of uh, things going on there where we 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 feel that we'll be able to you know just manage that um, drop in temperature for that sort of it's it's probably about a two month period. I guess where we just need to take a little extra care for the barramundi as they just work their way through that period. Things like uh, thermal thermal blankets. Um, so we've I've run a few trials uh, of late just uh, with some uh, thermal coverings, which um, has been used in pond applications, not for aquaculture, but um, for different industries where they'll put a thermal blanket on to, to uh, retain heat. And that, that works incredibly well. There's a few other little challenges that come with that, but um, that's, that's probably, I guess, one of the, one of the uh, little sort of trials that we've been trialling there. So I guess why are, we, why are we out here? First of all, I guess the climate, it's, overall it's very good. Um, we have a sustainable geothermal water source uh, uh, in the region as well. So we bring the water up through groundwater wells and, uh, and, and run the water through the ponds. The water comes out at about between about 75 and 85 degrees Fahrenheit and we're able to run that water through the ponds and the barramundi perform exceptionally well. I guess the third thing is proximity to market. And like, I, like I mentioned to you before, we're... We're a, about a six-hour uh, trucking distance away from California, where you know just a it's a huge population. It's quite incredible, really, that um, you know you've got a, a state that sits inside the US that <laughs> that has so many people, and it's quite incredible. So that's a that's a great opportunity for us in, to build that. Spoke about earlier. Um, take our technologies. Take our farming. Uh, know-how and be able to introduce it to a market that is is on our doorstep essentially and and what that does is I think it's important that um, when you're building a brand to to really be connected with the market and 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 really have your your finger on the pulse and understand what's what's truly happening so we have some really good relationships with uh, a number of groups in California that um, provide us with really great feedback on on the product we're able to get in there and and do presentations with different groups and uh, and really put our our brand uh, out there on display so the proximity to the market is is another really good one but i i, I think you know the the, the climate uh, geothermal water source and proximity to the market are the, are the three driving factors for farming out in the desert right <laughs> i'm curious what is your favorite part of the work that you're doing down there yeah well um for me um to 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 simplify it right down what i what i really enjoy is um I really enjoy the ground up type stuff. So yeah. f for for me, um, 
I've always, um, I think when I came into this business, um, you know, um, very um, privileged to be surrounded by really intelligent people and mm-hmm. um, being able to, um, you know, just absorb that along the way. Uh, but ultimately for me, I've, I've always liked to see things develop and, and you know, come up out of the ground, I guess, and, and, uh, and the challenges that come with that. So for me, I guess, over the, the last 23 years, we've, we've built a, an outstanding business. Um, you know, we've had many challenges along the way. We've overcome them and we've built a, a really substantial business. Coming to uh, the US and coming to Arizona, it's almost, for me, it's, 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 it's getting it's going back to that grassroots type uh, environment again, almost where we've got to we've got to overcome those uh, new challenges. We've got to develop mm-hmm. a market. We've got to we've got yeah. to get in there and really put the barramundi up front and where it belongs. And so for me, I really I really enjoy that. I really enjoy you know that really ground up approach. And you know, like I said, we when we bought the Arizona site, it was a it was previously a tilapia farm, so it had existing assets on it. So okay. um, we moved towards that. We had a few different sort of sites identified. Uh, some were greenfield sites, um, uh, but this site in particular was a site um, with some aquaculture ponds and infrastructure on it. So we leaned towards uh, that is our focus because that allowed us to that allowed us to sort of hit the ground running, I guess, um, stock it with Barramundi, get them up to market size, and and really accelerate that um, entry into the marketplace and and start to build our our brand. I get really excited about the growth phase that's uh, on the horizon for us, and uh, in the in the very near future, uh, we have eleven hundred acres of land there. There's a lot of land ready to go for development. And and so for me, it's, you know, building the brand, educating the the public, working with the the team on site around uh, operational competencies. And the really big one for me is uh, I really get a thrill out of of, of developments. So, Matt, I want to just clarify something, mostly for our listeners, because they may get really interested, may start searching on the internet for mainstream aquaculture. And I just wanted to kind of break down a couple things. And so correct me if I mislabel anything, but mainstream aquaculture, that is the company name. Infinity Blue is the brand for mainstream's table fish, Bear Mundi. And then we specifically were talking about one of your farms, which is Desert Springs, but obviously you have multiple farms. But is that the general kind of hierarchy of how mainstream aquaculture is is broken down? Yeah, that's correct. So um, mainstream aquaculture is um, uh, uh, mainstream aquaculture group is is um, the the broader company, and Infinity Blue is our is our brand. And then then you'll you'll have um, the different site locations, as you mentioned. So you've got Desert Springs, uh, we have Daintree, Barramundi, um, and all, all of the different farming locations sit under that Infinity Blue brand, yeah. So as we're wrapping up our conversation, is there anything else that you would like to get out there? Anything that we didn't touch upon in the interview that you made, that you wanted to make sure to talk about? Um, 
Well, I guess I guess um, uh, just from my perspective, we're we're really sort of we're really excited about being in the United States, where uh, we're really uh, passionate about aquaculture and what we do. We feel that we're a really sustainable business that um, is runs its aquaculture businesses in in a really sustainable way. All of our farms are. BAP accredited uh, best aquaculture practices, and you know we're really proud that um, it was uh, it was twelve months uh, from the point of which we took over the farm that uh, the Desert Springs site was certified with uh, that BAP accreditation, which is really really important to us. So the message the message out to to people, I guess, is um, there's a, a really interesting industry popping up here in Arizona, and we will continue to grow that opportunity. and And um, I think that ultimately, over the next five years, we'll we'll, we'll probably expand beyond the current Desert Springs site and keep a lookout for for mainstream aquaculture and look out for the Infinity Blue product only recently have um, had our product placed in uh, the Fry's supermarkets um, uh, throughout Arizona. Uh, we hope to be into uh, into California if we have some success in um, in the Arizona, uh, the state of Arizona. We'll we'll see that roll into California, and I think you know that's a that's a really important step for our future sort of growth of our business and being able to get the um you know this great product into the hands of uh, the residents out there in right now Arizona but hopefully broader US and try it out it's a great product huge health benefits and availability is is something that we're going to be providing year round well i think any consumer that's listening to this episode that needs some visual um courage to get out there and and try this species i think there are some amazing uh images on your websites that really you look at it and just say get in my belly right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely and i i'd I'd encourage people to check our website out and and look at the different farming uh operations we have uh in in different locations uh, you'll see that um we are a, a genuine producer of really sustainable uh, fish barramundi and um you know we're really proud to be bringing that to uh to the united states and we'll make sure to make it really easy for our listeners to navigate any of those websites that are connected to things that we've talked about during this conversation. So all of those links will be in our show notes. Yes. Excellent. So Matt, I just, um, on behalf of Maddie and myself, thank you so much for taking the time to, uh, sit down with us and talk about the in and outs of, of mainstream aquaculture, bear Monday as a species. Uh, we wish you the best of luck in your endeavors and your expansions with the species and thanks again for for joining us oh thanks justin and and maddie for um for having me on and uh and helping us get the message out that um uh there's barramundi uh out here in uh in arizona and um try it out it's a it's a great fish folks That was our conversation with Matthew Mangan. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. If you're listening to this episode within a month or so of when it first comes out, 
We have a survey live on our website, which is globalseafood.org slash podcast. It takes 90 seconds to fill out. It's super short and you can help be a part of our next episode. We are also very appreciative of all of our subscribers. So please give us a subscribe on your podcast platform. Also give us a subscribe or a follow on Twitter at AquademiaPod. If you want to contact us for any reason, you can do so with our online form, which is located at globalseafood.org slash podcast. And leave us a rating or review on whichever podcast platform you're listening to us on. Ciao. Bye.